All right, everybody, here we go. We're time traveling. We're going all the way back to 2001. We're talking the fast, the furious, the birth of maybe what I consider. It's, it's not even maybe. It's like the most original film franchise, the best original film franchise in cinema history. I'm sorry, Star Wars fans. Uh, the storyline's better. <laughs> it's it's more connective, but we're, we're not really going to go into those points. But hey, hey, thank you for joining me. I'm Peter A. DeLuca, another known as Pad. That's where we get the AKA Pad from, from AKA Pad's Audio Audacity. And I, and again, thank you so much for joining me. But look, you already hear that intro going, so let's get through that and jump into this movie. All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. So here, here's the thing. So a, a lot of times I, I, I like to go into like some type of anecdote. I tell you what's happening in, in Philly. If you need to know, if you need to know right now in Philly, uh, it is summer is ending, fall is beginning, and we have that, that beautiful, crisp, uh, chilly air coming in, uh, especially during the mornings, and it just feels so good. It kind of messes with you because it still gets hot during the day. The sun beams on you. And uh, you know you all know what to wear sometimes, but uh, I if you like if you like the cold, if you like the 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 autumn chill, uh, this is the, this is like your the beginning of your season. Uh, I can't wait. And uh, so the previous episode, the previous episode, we were talking about Hobbs and Shaw, and uh, that that's already a movie. That, there's there's already points in that that I didn't. Uh, like get to you know there's there things i wanted to discuss in that movie that i didn't arrive at because uh it's just like it, it's 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 somewhat of an epic and and that's what this franchise has become this franchise has become action epic after action epic uh i can the best thing for me to compare it to and a lot of you are going to hate it but it's the michael bay transformer uh five movie set from transformers to transformers age of extinction which is the uh, the the last one, no, number five, and like it's 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 like peep. What are you talking about? How can you apply the term epic to this? Well, number one, I'm saying action epic. Uh, epic is to me a reserved term. Okay, a lot of people call Titanic an epic, and I don't associate Titanic with epic. What I associate with the filmmaking term. Or the film product term epic uh it's giant and it's sprawling uh giant giant with the great james dean is an epic ben-hur is an epic lawrence of arabia is an epic braveheart is an epic and it's like peep like okay like what do you mean they're all long movies long movies are epics that's not the point the point is that it is sprawling meaning it is hitting different times. It's hitting different environments. Uh, it, the the movie itself changes tone. Uh, from the you know from my world, the superhero genre. Uh, there's there's maybe only I would say maybe two. There's two superhero epics that just coming to my mind, and you know this this establishes like the, the baseline of where I'm coming from. One of them would be Richard Donner's. Superman movie, easily an epic, and then we have Avengers Endgame, easily an epic. Uh, not, I'm sorry, Avengers Infinity War, not Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame is just a, a pure mess. Avengers Infinity War because that movie 
there's so many different locations. It shifts. Uh, you know, it, it is sprawling in its green screen glory. And it's, it's, it may, may be the most complete green screen movie ever made. But anyway, that's, that's a different point. So, what, like, when I get to the points of, like, Hobbs and Shaw, there are so many different environments in that movie. Uh, the movie shifts. When they get to Somalia, where we have our final showdown, it literally feels like a different movie uh, in tone alone. Um, in the the stakes alone, in the um, the hues and the and what we're looking at, like optically, what we're looking at, it, it it's changed. It, the movie has changed. The movie has shifted. Uh, f- every single Fast and Furious movie from five on, five, six, seven, eight. We have nine coming up. Five, six, seven, and eight are action epics. Uh, we are dealing with countries we're dealing with floods of new characters we're dealing with complex emotional threads established in this movie here see the reason why this is better than star wars as a arc it's that everything we have set up in this movie it number one it pays off in other movies number two it's still there in other movies and number three we can watch this movie and we understand the mindset and the emotional state of a lot of these characters, almost like they're tropes. You know, like it's uh, we can have solidified tropes, tropes that we will see later on in other movies. And you're like, Pete, this is Fast and Furious. Will you like? Uh, this is a dumb car movie. What is happening with you? <laughs> so when we talk about the Fast. And the Furious, 2001. There's a few things I like to always remind people of. Number one, uh, this movie solidified rock-solid car culture. Car culture was, uh, this type of car culture was mostly underground. And MTV picked up this movie and just took it. You know, like, they endless reality shows, reality competition shows, you know, Pimp My Ride. It all came from Fast and Furious. Now, I I didn't verify time frames for any of that. I could be wrong. I'm just a lot of this and I'm spitballing from memory. And that's also where it's important. See, it's important because this movie, just on premise alone, is educating you on something that you're not familiar with. Now, could you do this every single movie? No. And they and they realize that even going into the sequel, that that's the next episode. 217 it's going to be too fast too furious and 218 is going to be tokyo drift fast and furious tokyo drift uh, so though that's 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 your next block there <laughs> if you don't like fast and furious just hang tight we'll uh we'll, we'll we'll have something for you very soon too fast too furious is essentially a the first of um of these movies being somewhat crime, somewhat heist, uh, somewhat point break. Uh, you know, and you, you can make the, not so, I mean, I take that back. The Fast and the Furious is your point break analog. Too Fast, Too Furious is, you know, like, it, I think they perfected this concept with the fifth one. <laughs> too Fast and Too Furious, there, there, there's a lot to go over there. A um, lot of good, a lot of bad. This movie is just all good. The, the, there's really nothing wrong with this movie. 
uh, this movie is general genre filmmaking at its finest. This is one of the best car movies ever made. Uh, you know, like there's uh, there's very few ways to come at this movie. Now, modern day critics can attack this movie for, you know, uh, what it represents in today's standards. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but I feel like modern day critics can tear anything apart for any reason uh, without context. And without showing uh, or discussing filmmaker intent. But anyway, so th this movie, essentially, as I said, is, you know, it's, it's, it's a copy. It's, it's, it's a uh, template, a point break. Now, one of the names we don't hear a lot when it comes to The Fast and The Furious is Gary Scott Thompson. This is the guy that wrote the freaking movie. Now, I would love to say that Gary... Scott Thompson, G, GST as we call him in my circles, uh, has done other things and he really has it. I would love to say that he created this and he was a part of that. Now, he's a career creator within Hollywood, but that doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, like it, from my standpoint, it's like you, you, know, like you kind of want these guys to, uh, you know, be like substantive to the point that they can continuously create things you heard of. Um, yeah, but look, when it comes to screenwriters, this is a screenwriting game in Hollywood. You know, you can work a long time and get one movie made and, and that's it. And then after that, you're you're lucky to get like a TV show. You know, like a TV show episode. And look, for a lot of directors, it's the same, same situation. But he's credited as the creator of the Fast and the Furious. And, you know, we should know that name. Just as a, as, as a film-loving community. The second name. The second name to know in this movie is Rob Cohen. And you're like, P, who, who's Rob Cohen? Well, that, that, that's your director. And I'm a big director guy. I like, I like directors. I think directors deal with... Uh, most mostly they deal with situations that that cannot be uh, <laughs> contained. Meaning, uh, they're they're part babysitters, they're part wranglers, they're part generals. They are uh, they deal with so much between the studio and the talent and practically like the practical part of filmmaking to like what's happening on set. Uh, you know, like you, it's it's a shock. To how anything can come out of a um, out of a film production, film uh, directors are filmmakers. They make it happen. Now his career, okay, I would say post two thousand and eight, somewhat is slow. Since two thousand and eight, he's only directed three movies. Now one of them. I need to see right away, and, and, and that's the 2018, the Hurricane Heist. I, I need to see that movie right away. Now, he was on my radar back in the early 90s because, and he puts his own movie in his own movie, but in 1993, he directs Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and that's a solid flick. That's a solid flick. Um... You know, it's, it's a fantasy of the Bruce Lee life. But, you know, I'll argue so is Amadeus. Wolfgang Mozart. Amadeus. 
And, you know, he takes off three years. You know, three years prep time. And he, and he has a really big 1996. Two, two great movies. Dragonheart with Dennis Quaid with a robot. Part robot, part CGI dragon. Voiced by Sean Connery. And then we have the way, the way, 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 way underappreciated daylight starring Sylvester Stallone now th- this is during during Stallone's fading years as you know Schwarzenegger too fading with lace action hero uh both of these movies you know like can somewhat be subject to uh the Jurassic Park effect where everything went towards um CGI fantasy and we started to see you know less and less but there were still, you know, Hollywood still had a couple big tentpole, tentpole action-driven movies, uh, you know, ready to go. But yeah, again, we'll discuss that. Um, Nineteen ninety-eight, we have the Rat Pack. I didn't see that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not even. Two thousand, we have the Skulls, starring uh, Joshua Hartnett Hart, uh, from Dawson's Creek. Right, is it and and also um you know th- this is the introduction of him and Paul Walker, and then in two thousand and one we have the Fast and the Furious, and he brings Paul Walker back. Okay, so he's he's familiar with Paul Walker at this point. Probably he's the reason Paul Walker is in the Fast and the Furious. In two thousand and two we have Triple X. Two thousand five we have Stealth. With Jamie Foxx, Jessica Biel, and um, Luke—is it Luke Wilson? Oh, I forget the guy. In the, the the villain from Too Fast, Too Furious. I forget that guy's name. I'm bad. Uh, stealth. I, it took me a little bit to get through that movie, but it wasn't because I it was unwatchable. It just took me. I, I just remember like it was late one night, and I and I actually watched that entire movie. And you know, it's it's Jaws as a sentient AI killer um, jet <laughs> not bad okay uh, stealth is a decent movie and then and then we have we have a really good fit here we have the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor that's the um the angly not the angly the uh, look we, we we know the mummy franchise with, with Brendan Fraser mummy the dragon emperor is co-starring Jet Li. I'm sorry, and yeah, it's it's a full cast revival, you know, or yeah, not revival, but continuation. Uh, yeah, would I say that this movie's underrated? I cer- certainly would. Uh, last year for the 31 Days of Dread, uh, you know, we we went into uh, Steven Somers, the director of The Mummy and Mummy Two, Mummy Returns, and you know we we spoke about this movie. It, this movie has a fantastic Yeti sequence that I still I, I love and I adore. I just think it's cool, cool AF. Um, yeah, and yeah, you know, like it doesn't bring back the franchise. And you, I kind of really was hoping it, it would like bring it back to like another two, one or two more movies because the flavor of the Mummy, uh, I would say, is like almost like what they're going going for now in the Pirate of the Caribbean movies, which just seems to have a, an endless list of greenlit sequels. And and I mean because the, the Pirate of the Caribbean movies, they have uh, the first three. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, 
and Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, right? Uh, and the first is the first one just Pirates of the Caribbean? I don't think so. I think that one has a subtitle too. But okay, but the first three movies, it's like Gore Verbinski. It's his like sepia tones. Like he dreaded the movie. Just looks dreadful. It's a beautiful looking movie. Incredible music. Uh, some of the best special effects. Uh, but the movies have like some of a dreadful tone bodied with Jack Sparrow just fumbling around. Uh, I believe they would like those movies to eventually become uh, the tone of what the mummy was. Uh, you know, with these movies, uh, a tone that Rob Cohen perfectly recreated in 2008 for the mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And I, it's mean, like, what I mean by that, it's like shorter movies, quicker, like, quicker, longer action. And by quicker action, I mean we're quicker to get to the action and to be a little bit more. Uh, you know, less serious and more fumbling. You know, it's again, it's some of the Indiana Jones uh, formula. So, why are we talking about Rob Cohen? Because what Rob Cohen has done, he's he's contributed to your culture. He's contributed to your film-going experience. Now, if we go back to 1996 and we talk about Dragonheart, Dragonheart, uh, I believe, has gotten two straight-to-video sequels. That's you know, like that's hard enough to do on its own. And then we let's go to two thousand. The Skulls. The Skulls has had, I believe, two straight to video sequels. You know, or extensions. You know, like some of these are divergence. You know, like I know the, the American Psycho sequel is like the daughter or like sister or like you know, like something like that. But you know, it's still the same universe, the same, they're attempting the same things, they're, it's, they're, they're, they're trying to harness something that, that was impactful. See, that's the point I'm getting at. And then we talk about the Fast and the Furious. Here we go. We're, uh, we're already nine movies in with one spinoff, all right, and uh, part nine is coming out soon. Then we have 2002. We also have Triple X. Now, Triple X has had three movies total triple x2 state state of the union and triple x3 return of xander cage the point i'm getting at is like he like you know rob cohen's been in the game for a while you know like he's he's been producing movies since 1975 it's 2018 now that's a long time okay that's like 40 40 something years this guy uh and he he was he was in a zone uh, yeah, he, it's like he understood kind of what these things were. And the Skulls, the Skulls capitalized on the Bush administration and the Skull and Bones and the, the Ivy League school, um, you know, final clubs, as we hear in the beginning solilo- soliloquy, not really, but <laughs> the beginning conversation in, in um, David Fincher's social network. And... You know, like, he had the awareness to realize that Hollywood has has never had a true dragon on screen. That's why Dragonheart resonated. People love occult societies. One hits the mainstream. One hits the lexicon. We have the skulls. People have never really heard or seen true car culture. Fast and Furious. People want a different James Bond, you know, and I would I, I would say this all the time. Triple X 
led to Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. People, it was a, uh, it, you know, it was a intended knock uh, on that franchise. Okay, and knock, I mean, you know, we're knocking on your door, we're coming for you. If Triple X was, I, I feel like, more of a um, complete movie, I always felt like the movie needed to be longer, too. Uh, yeah, it would have helped dismantle James Bond, because James Bond was in the low at that point. But Daniel Craig, they, they did the probably one of the best course corrections in Hollywood history with, uh, you know, from the Pierce Brosnan to Daniel Craig, James Bond shift. And I, th- I think Curtis Hansen, Curtis Hansen is uh, attributed to that, and bravo to him. So this this movie, like it, you know, like has a legit guy behind it. Now, you know, Vin Diesel's ushered the franchise since then, and he's done amazing uh, amazing things. But the great thing when it comes to even Fast and Furious, when it comes with uh, adjusted ticket price for inflation, this movie is still the fourth highest grossing one <laughs> just just domestically uh in, in comparison uh fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw is number eight number nine's tokyo drift tokyo drift's the only one that hasn't broken 100 million it's surprising but i don't think tokyo trip that costs a lot of money like that that's got to be like a thirty million dollar movie, you know, and and I hate how some of these sites never have that info, even though they have uh, categories for it. So what, when we actually talk about the movie, yeah, I say Point Break, but it's Point Break, nah. I mean, it, one one of the best parts of this movie is uh, it, uh, you know, Point Break has a uh, like it, it has this divergent, like like Point Break is easily three movies or like three clear acts. It's like Johnny Utah introduction, okay. Patrick Swayze, Johnny in Utah, okay, or Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and then we have Keanu Reeves on the case going undercover, and then we have him uh, escaping, turning, be, becoming one of the boys uh, in the final sequence, which is just nothing but tension, and and it's that's really what makes Point Break, Point Break. The, you know, like that third act really sticks with you. This movie just says, look, look, this dude's undercover, we're done with it. So, again, like, the comparisons to Point Break are, are fair, but they're not. It's like, look, Hobbs and Shaw, a lot like Mission Impossible 2, just, just an idea alone, but, like, the movies themselves are so different. It's like, why even bother with that comparison? I say Point Break because a lot of you out there, I know, look at Fast and Furious as a Point Break-ish movie. Now, we get into this, uh, you know, this uh, mystery of who's who's really behind these robberies that we see in the beginning of the movie and we have like three gangs we <laughs> we have vin diesel's gang we have a latino gang okay and then then we have the yakuza okay <laughs> you know um sure like you know and and it's it's kind of like a chess match of of uh who's who what's what uh there's a wonderful raid sequence um that is really one of my favorite rate sequences that, that that has consequences within the movie, and you know, um, you know that I always feel like deserves more attention. But it's it's a true filmmaker's like rate sequence set to music. Uh, it's and it's being cut between like the rate sequence and Vin Diesel making love with to Michelle Rodriguez. It's just well done. So a lot of times it's like I I, I always argue. 
you know, like, what's the point of a movie? I, it, earlier today, I watched Moneyball. I watched Moneyball. The point at the end of that movie, like, the point of Moneyball, as much as I love, I love everything about Moneyball, but the ending, I'm not sure, like, what the point is. You know, like, it, it didn't really tee off any ideas at the end there. It just kind of is like, Ugh. Which is fine because the, the movie's just like thrilling and, and has enough like information, um, you know. And it's more of a play; it's more of a dialogue-driven movie than anything. You know, Fast and Furious. You know, by the end of this movie, the point is is family. Okay, the point's family. We still have that concept today. Hobbs and Shaw, family. Okay, this is the Fast and Furious franchise. It's 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 just a metaphor for family, but we do have we and we deal with consequences in the next movie, Too Fast, Too Furious. But we do have Paul Walker having his Johnny Utah letting Patrick Swayze go moment. So it is very close to point blank, uh, point break. I mean, point break, people. At the end of this movie, that's fine because that's a great ending. It's a great thing. I love I love the undercover dude getting wrapped up in, in the people he's he's investigating that are in fact doing the crimes. And you know, the full introduction we have into race culture in this movie are really good race sequences. Um, race sequences with stakes because people are betting cars, they're betting money, they're betting pink slips. We have uh, later, I think Fast and Furious 6 or 7. No, 7. You know, Vin Diesel mentions creating race wars. And, you know, we are in race wars in this movie. They go back to race wars in 7. Okay, it's not, it's never, I don't, I believe it's not referenced at all in the other movies that, that Vin Diesel and Lydia, Michelle Rodriguez, created race wars, but it's in this movie. And this is some of the connected threads I talk about. Now, this movie too also has loss. It has death. This movie has somewhat uh, like younger people being younger, having this outlook. The Vin Diesel's "I only go a quarter mile at a time," which is you know like that's something I wish was a little bit still in the movies. But you know like that's a little bit of a life philosophy. That is an attitude. That is a world view, and it's it's a powerful one. It's a great one. So. What like where are we with 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 this movie? Like what? Why isn't it held to a higher standard? Because it's excuse me, they're breaking up there a little bit. Let, you know what? Let me just drink some. Uh, by the way, guys, I'm drinking instant coffee. Okay. Oh. Oh. So excuse me. Excuse me. So why isn't this movie held in a higher regard? Because it's genre. You instantly dismiss it. And it's a drill down one. It's cars. There's not many street car movies or street... Um, I would say like like street culture movies out there. It's also an action movie. You know, it's also this drama. It's also a little bit of a, you know, romance. This movie has all the elements. That's why I carried on. That's why it got a sequel. Uh, you know, like so much so that, uh, you know, like was this a template for Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift? Very lightly. Very lightly. Um, like, I always kind of compare Tokyo Drift to this movie 
by suggesting that it is like it, you know like it's almost like like a Paul Walker or, origin story but not really a Brian yeah a Brian uh, origin story but no no and uh, like the, the, this is some of the stuff that kind of I don't want to say it upsets me because you know, I sleep fine at night it's just one of those ideas that people escape because they want to downplay these movies they, they want to act like there is not cohesiveness that there's not continuity the continuity in this movie is deeper and richer than even star wars because we have so many of these these micro emotional payoffs as we watch these movies is the action later uh you know ridiculous or cartoony whatever i don't know like yeah sure it's i think it's fantastic that's why I love watching and rewatching these movies. So, is it important to watch this movie before you watch Nine? No, no. I, I, I believe Nine is going to be a sequel to Eight. Yeah, you know, and Eight's distant from Seven. That's just the way how like these these movies are somewhat structured. They're almost structured in like you know two movie sets. A lot like Mission Impossible. Like Mission Impossible is very much like this, and Mission Impossible is right there with. You know what Transformers has done continuity wise, and what this movie has done continuity wise. Like you know, like that's your three headed dragon. That's your King Ghidorah. Um, quick side note: if you haven't seen Godzilla King of Monsters, because I can't stop watching that movie, go out there and watch Godzilla King of Monsters. That movie's legit. Love it. But look, look, everyone, do me a favor. Uh, this this movie's available on Stars. So's Too Fast, Too Furious, and so's Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. You know, the first three movies. Um, you know, this this one and the third one have a end credit scene. Now, the end credit scene for this movie is fantastic. It's, it's Vin Diesel in South America or in the desert, you know, getting away, living life a quarter mile at a time. You know, like, the adventure continues. So, again, perfect use of an end credit sequence there. And, you know, and... A sign of things to come because I, I believe credit sequences should be in nearly every single movie. I do. But look, everyone, thanks for joining me. Rock and roll. I love you. And until next time, until episode 217 of AKA Pads Audio Audacity Podcast, we're going to be discussing Too Fast, Too Furious. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's another one I somewhat enjoyed. Nah, 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 really. I got Okay. Well, you'll have to wait. Coming very soon, coming this week. We'll, we'll discuss that. But hey, in the meantime, I love you. Rock and roll, and let's get to it.